Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of The Three Technique, the podcast at the intersection of the X's and O's and the Jimmy's and the Joe's. I'm Trey Reeves. I'm joined by Mitch Mason, our draft extraordinaire, draft uh, czar, I think is what I called it the last time. Um, and Mitch, we are here on another edition of the Draft Nuggets uh, edition of The Three Technique to kind of talk about your mock draft 1.0. So if you guys haven't seen it, um, it's out on Instagram. It's out on our new partnership. It's actually out on the Transfer Portal College Football's website. So mm-hmm. big, exciting things being done there. Mitch, how was this to put together? Just kind of quick uh, couple of thoughts on that. What was it like putting this mock draft together? Man, I loved it. Um, I, you know, before we hit record, I was telling you, you know, I've already started working on my second mock draft. I've done videos for YouTube. We've done videos for YouTube talking about different teams, which directions they can go. And it's, it's kind of a pit that you can fall into in a good way. Um, It's really, it's an addicting process. If you love team building, if you love film study, if you love kind of putting jigsaw pieces together. And so for me, you know, these are so difficult. You know, people people think, oh, well, anyone can put a mock draft together. Well, technically, yeah, but to make it even make sense and stand up to the eye test, and you know, we'll get into some picks that I have that other people disagree with. I'm obviously going to talk about why I think that those are in the realm of possibility, but it takes a lot of time and effort, um, and yet that's just so much fun to me. So I, I had an absolute blast. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for. Um, our new partner at the Transfer Portal CFB, publishing it, um, putting it out on social media. That brought a lot of eyeballs to it, which is, you know, what what we were really looking for uh, in this partnership. And, you know, getting to write and, and be published on the sports side of things again is is just a blast. Yeah. And, you know, yes, anyone can make a mock draft. Not everyone can make a quality mock draft that has a lot of thought put into it and is taking into account all 32 teams and their needs. And I think you did an amazing job with this, if I do say so myself. Um, As someone who loves just running the simulator and making Mm -hmm. obscene trades and uh, doing all that sort of stuff. So let's start at the top, man. We This is a quarterback-heavy class. There's been a lot of debates on quarterbacks. Your top 10 included the top four quarterbacks of course Bryce Young CJ Stroud Anthony Richardson and Will Levis you have them coming off the board in that order Um, Bryce Young you have the Colts trading up to number one to take him CJ Stroud at two to the Texans Anthony Richardson at five to the Atlanta Falcons who traded up and uh, Will Levis right after that at six to the Carolina Panthers who also traded up so I guess and Bryce Young CJ Stroud we know that they're in all likelihood going to be one and two. I think we've seen, there've been some mock drafts, try to sneak Anthony Richardson, Will Levis up there. I think most of the draft expert draft community agrees that it's going to be young and Stroud in some order at one and two Anthony Richardson though. I, you know, 
We've talked a lot about him on the show. We've talked a lot about how he has a lot of growing to do as a quarterback, but man, he broke the combine this week when he uh, put up the numbers that he did. Did you have him all the way at the top five before the combine, or was that kind of indicative of his performance? You know, I had him, so that's a great question. I mean, the the age-old question every single year after the combine is, all right, where, how high can you rise after a combine performance where, you know, a lot of people call them the underwear Olympics, and that's very true. You are playing against air. You are doing drills outside of a helmet and pads, outside of all the pressures that come with these gladiator amphitheaters that we play in in college in the NFL. For me with Anthony Richardson, um, I had him as a top 10 pick in my mock draft initially. Um, I don't have him graded as a first-round quarterback, and I think we're going to get into that. But I I moved him up to five, and and quite honestly, I think he's going to go before that because the teams that are in need of a quarterback most, the Colts, uh, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Raiders specifically, all are either under new management or under management that knows, hey, we've got to get out of quarterback hell and off the mediocrity carousel. And so just how far are you willing to go and trade up to make that happen? So like for the Colts, for instance, they trade their entire draft pretty much and next year's one to go up and get their quarterback. Now, if you look at my mock draft, I've got Bryce Young going. I know he's undersized. I know that he didn't test amazing at the combine. And for a lot of people, that's going to knock him down, especially when you have a guy like Jim Ursay who's raving over Anthony Richardson. And, you know, now kind of the, I feel like a big popular sentiment is that Anthony Richardson's going to go one overall to the Colts. I disagree with that for a couple of different reasons. We can talk about that, but. It's going to be a quarterback feeding frenzy at the top to the point where I think Anthony Richardson and Will Levis are for sure going in the top 10, um, even though I don't have first-round grades on Richardson or Levis as as quarterbacks. They look great. They're awesome athletes. I do not think they're saviors of your defunct NFL franchise if you draft them you know, to be quarterback one. I think Anthony Richardson just... He's going to need someone to tailor an offense to him, or he's going to need to be in a situation where he can learn behind someone for a couple of years, right? He can kind of take the Patrick Mahomes route. I think Anthony Richardson is way more raw than Patrick Mahomes was um, when he was coming out of college at Texas Tech. But if he could find himself into a situation, I've seen a lot of people talking about, I know the Seahawks just uh, re-signed Geno Smith, Mm -hmm. and they're sitting there at number five, um, you know, originally, and you have the Falcons trading up to Seattle. I've seen some people talk about Seattle standing in there and taking Anthony Richardson at five sure. and having him as the heir apparent to Geno Smith when and when and if that needs to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, I don't think that you're trading up to number one to take Anthony Richardson personally. I, I think mm-hmm. if you're trading up to number one, there's a lot more grace there if you take Bryce Young and he fails, there's a lot more grace there. If you take CJ Stroud and he fails for whatever reason you take, you trade up to number one, you take Anthony Richardson or well Levis that is betting on someone who's not as proven in college production, not as proven on the film that they have on tape. And it is a project. I don't think you can take a project and mortgage your whole draft at number one personally. So I'm right there with you on that, but you know, 
that top four and where those top four guys go is going to be hotly debated. The quarterbacks are always debated. Um, it seems like a deeper position this well this year as well. Wouldn't you say that? I would. Um, the tricky part is where does that next kind of shelf of guys go? Yeah. You're talking about the Hinden Hookers. You're talking about the Tanner McKees. Who did not do himself. Tanner McKee did not do himself any favors to this week. Yeah, I I think we'll talk winners and losers, you know, as we go along. And, you know, you mentioned Anthony Richardson, obviously a winner of the draft, right? Sets uh, NFL records, combine records in the vertical and the broad jump. He's just a freak of nature. I don't think he's a polished quarterback, right? Like Stu Mandel tweeted to that very snarkily, you know, okay, yeah, but how does that help his completion percentage? And the answer is it doesn't. Um, so I'll give him that. I, I tweeted back that meme, the sh- just let people have fun, um, <laughs> which seemed pretty popular. But yeah, I agree. Like to me, if you're taking Anthony Richardson, you cannot take him as the day one savior of your team. It would really behoove a franchise to have another guy in there where he can sit for a year, learn for a year, play in the preseason before taking on the mantle is, OK, now this is your team. The problem is there's not a team in the top five, really the top 10, other than maybe the Seahawks that are looking to take a quarterback that that makes sense for, right? I mean, the Colts may be behind Matt Ryan, but I think Ryan is going to get booted. Um, the, uh, the Falcons just cut Marcus Mariota. Now they could go with Desmond Ritter. And what I'm hearing is there's actually a decent chance that after the combine, that they're going to stay with Desmond Ritter, but you never know. Maybe that's a feint to, to try and weasel their way up. Um, the Carolina Panthers obviously need a quarterback. They don't have anybody. They traded Baker over or Baker went to, to Los Angeles. So the teams that need quarterbacks, there's not a, all right, a one year bandaid where Anthony Richardson, a Will Levis can sit. They've got to go and immediately be that guy. And for me, it's just not really a recipe for success, especially when we see guys like Josh Rosen who get put in the the fire early and it incinerates them, right? I mean, they do not make it out on the other side. Sam Darnold as well. I mean, you you come out of college thinking, yeah, this is is the guy. This is QB1. And, you know, some of them have it to make it at the next level and some of them don't. We haven't seen an athletic freak like Anthony Richardson – uh, in, in a long, long time, but he's not a, uh, an accomplished passer and quarterback. He's not a proven winner from college. And so for me, the biggest question marks are are not answered. And that's why I'm not on, as high on him as, as some are. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see who does bite the bullet there because, you know, for every Josh Allen that comes out and doesn't have a great completion percentage, but molds into that as an NFL quarterback there's what 50 Jamarcus Russells that just are who they are. Right. And they, and Jamarcus Russell might be a bad example because he was much heralded and he was the clear top quarterback in that class. But yeah, like the, there's no guarantee here. The other interesting thing to me, if you're just following the uh, quarterback carousel in the NFL, Derek Carr and uh, Geno Smith are off the board. Right. Um, They've signed with uh, their respective teams and, the really big piece that's now missing, I think, is someone that some people want to compare to Anthony Richardson. That's Lamar Jackson. And sure. the way that the – Mitch, I don't know if you followed this, but the way that the Ravens tagged Lamar 
he can have a team mm-hmm. offer him mm-hmm. until I think the middle of next week. And uh, if the Ravens choose to not match that, he's gone and he's going yep. to that team and the Ravens get two first round draft picks. So yeah, yeah, I uh, think that we, you know, we're going to see where these um, quarterbacks fall. There's going to be a lot of trades like you mocked out and it's just going to be fascinating before we get to the next uh, set of questions about this mock draft though, Mitch, I think we want to take some time for yet another major announcement that we have here on the pod. That's right. Well, some big news. We announced our partnership with the transfer portal CFB last time. We want to announce a new sponsor this time around. And, you know, Trey, we're talking about guys getting drafted that, that iconic moment when they walk on stage, they shake hands with the commissioner. or Sometimes they bear hug him. And they're handed a brand new hat with their team. Well, we're partnered with maybe the best maker of hats in the college sports realm. It's University Traditions. University Traditions knows that most sports fans are looking for clothing that you can wear everywhere, but also gives a nod to your favorite team and homegrown roots. That passion and inspiration led them to create some of the best looking hats that we at the 3Tech Pod have ever had the pleasure to wear. So naturally, we teamed up. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm wearing their College Station collection right now, the black rope hat. Looks great. Thank you. Uh, Love it. We've got several more hats actually on the way. I know we've uh, ordered some from the Auburn collection, from the Knoxville collection. I mean, really, any team, especially if you're from the South, that you could possibly want, they've got a design uh, for you, and we're really excited to continue to show those off. Speaking of which, listeners of this podcast get a 15% discount off their entire order by using code 3TECH15. That's 3TECH15. Uh, If you put that in the code, you'll get 15% off. You can head on over to University Traditions website, search for them on social media. They are all over the place. Tell them that the 3TECH pod sent you and grab yourself some of the best looking hats on the market. You'll love their styles. You'll feel the tradition with each new hat you own. And I promise you are going to love the upgrade to your hatware collection. University Traditions and 3Tech Pod, the newest partnership in the sports marketing space. Trey, we are just delighted to have them on board. Absolutely. I can't wait for my hat to come in. I've been jealous right. of Mitch's for a couple weeks now. And yeah, really excited to have, uh, have them on board. Um, as we transition back to NFL Draft Talk here, Mitch, you had six trades, I believe, in the first round. Um, And, you know, they're going to be a lot. I I don't know off the top of my head how many there were last year, what the average is, but six seems like about par for the course, honestly, when you factor it all in. Is there one of those trades that you're maybe the most confident in happening and maybe one trade that you're the least confident in happening? Yeah, I think... I think the Colts going up to one, Jim Irsay has just been so public that they want to find their franchise quarterback. Um, So whether you believe that's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, I think it's very obvious that the Colts are, are knocking on that door repeatedly. Now, will the bears, you know, be willing to, to sell the number one pick to them? You know, who knows? Uh, you've, You've got teams like the Panthers as well the Raiders who need a franchise quarterback teams that are very outspoken that their current situation, like if you're the Raiders, Derek Carr walked out the door, right? I mean, he wouldn't even let you trade him. So there's a vacancy in Las Vegas. The Panthers have been so bad at the quarterback position basically since Cam Newton left. Um, So I, I think the Colts right now is the one that I feel the most confident in. 
you know, as you get down the board, it's really tough to nail or feel super confident about trades. So I've got the Chargers trading up to 16 to get a wide receiver in Quentin Johnston uh, from TCU. Big bodied receiver who is going to go get the ball. He's hell on wheels after the catch. Needs to work on the route tree a little bit and getting that consistent separation. But to me, he honestly reminds me of, of Mike Williams, a guy that I think can be really physical at the point of, uh, of attack and would help Justin Herbert out. I've got them trading with the Washington Commanders who can trade back. They still get a cornerback in this draft. They get Emmanuel Forbes, who's um, a slightly built corner, six foot. I believe he's like 165 out of Mississippi State, but an absolute ball hawk. He plays, I think, much bigger than his actual frame. And oh, by the way, he set the FBS record for pick sixes in a career. So a guy who knows how to go get the football, that's something that Washington desperately needs, especially as the rest of the NFC East continues to accumulate weapons on offense. The Eagles obviously have the best wide receiver core, probably in the NFC. The Cowboys are are rumored to be looking at wide receiver, um, maybe at at running back, uh, as we can talk about a little bit later on. But yeah. Uh, the the commanders have a bad secondary, and I think if if they could trade back, pick up another pick, the third fourth round, and still get a cornerback, they'd feel really good about that. You mentioned cornerback, and I look up and down your first round here, and you've got a lot of cornerbacks, a lot of defensive backs, as we typically see in the first round of the NFL draft. Would you say that's the deepest position in this draft? Yeah, I think so. I think I think edge rusher is pretty deep. Um, I think wide receiver, it's not as top heavy, but it's a very deep group. So you're going to have basically as many mock drafts as you read, you could see as many different wide receiver ones taken off the board. Um, So I think my wide receiver one is Jordan Addison at 15 to the Packers. You're going to have a lot of people that say a wide receiver goes before then. But then again, it, it might be like the running back situation that we've talked about on this podcast where it's like, all right there's a number of guys that we can get first, second, third round. Do we really want to be the team that starts that off? But cornerback to me is the the deepest position. It starts at the top with Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., Devin Witherspoon. Those three guys are really interchangeable for CB1. They're all similar, at least Porter Jr. and Witherspoon. So Porter Jr. is from Penn State. Devin is from Illinois. They're really similar in that they're nasty, they're physical, they want to knock you off your route at the at the line of scrimmage. They don't just want to bump you. They want to like send you to the sideline and make you recover that way. Christian Gonzalez is longer, lankier out of Oregon, a ball hawk. He's very, very good with his hips. Um, a taller corner. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I think his recovery speed is good enough to to maybe quiet some of the doubts about playing corner at a taller status. But yeah, I mean, then you get to the end of the first round, into the second, and you've got guys like Deontay Banks out of Maryland who I don't have gone in this first mock draft. I'm already working on a second uh, mock draft, a mock draft 2.0. I do think he's going to go in the first round in that one based on the team that I have him slotted in to need for them. So yeah, a lot of these guys are kind of interchangeable towards the bottom end. Um, you'll see a lot of Keely Ringo's in mock drafts, or at least you did early on. His combine wasn't as great as what people were hoping it would be. He's he's fast. He ran a 4.35, so very, very speedy guy. But as far as change of direction and overall athleticism, I think there are some con- concerns that it's like, all right, if he's not running in a straight line, 
does he actually play at that speed? So mm-hmm. I don't have him in my first round mock. You'll you'll see a lot of people that that do though at the end. So you know it's 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 a very deep position. I think a lot of teams are going to feel really good about adding pieces to their secondary early on. Other than quarterback, what would you say is the shallowest position in this draft? For me, just looking at up and down your mock, it seems like if you need a tackle this year, you better get them early. Yeah, I think offensive line. Certainly not a top-heavy group. So I've got Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, and I believe Darnell. Yeah, Darnell Wright's my final pick in this first mock. He goes to the Chiefs as tackles. So you've got three. I think guard is also extremely thin in the first round. I think if you're a, a team like the Dallas Cowboys that needs a guard in the second or third round, you can look at a guy like Joe Tipman, John Michael Schmitz, Warren McClendon from Georgia. I think all of those guys are good options, but not not ones that I would pull the trigger on in the first round. I've, I personally have Peter Skaronsky graded as a guard. He played tackle at Northwestern, but because he's not the strongest guy, he's much more of a technique and footwork player. I, I'm not alone in in thinking. Okay, I think he could be he could be a good guard or a good tackle. He could be an all pro guard. So for me, I've got him graded inside. I think he's probably still the first offensive lineman off the board. I would just slide him inside. Then I have Osiris Torrance from Florida going later in the first round. But those are it. Five offensive linemen total in the first round. Sometimes you'll see closer to you know seven or eight. And yeah. this is not one of those years. But like you said, there's there's options there. There's a lot of options at a lot of positions in that day two, I think. This seems like a really good day two draft um, yes. if you have a lot of picks in the second or third round. What was your most surprising pick in this mock? Guy that you maybe thought, I don't know where to put him, but when you found that uh, fit for a team, or maybe it wasn't a need for a team, but it just made sense to slot him in there. I think I think in, in tight end is such an interesting position because mm-hmm. you've got folks that are sending four tight ends in the first round, right? So the names that you're going to hear a lot of, you're going to hear Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. You're going to hear um, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, and then Darnell Washington, who might be a unicorn. It's six foot seven, uh, just a gargantuan human being. Blocks like a tackle, runs routes and catches the ball like a tight end. I mean, he's going to be hell on wheels too. So four guys that could legitimately go in the first round, this first mock draft, I've just got two, and it's mostly because of team fit. But to answer your question, Dalton Kincaid to, uh, to the New York Giants. I've got him at 25 going to New York out of Utah. Kincaid's a tweener prospect. He's not big enough to traditionally be viewed at the NFL level as a tight end, but he's also too big to be your traditional slot receiver, and yet that's really what he is. He's not a polished blocker, but the guy has buttery soft hands. He's very crisp in his routes, and he was amazing at Utah. He was Cam Rising's safety blanket um, out west in the Pac-12. So I I think Kincaid, I was struggling to figure out, okay, if this team does go tight end, like the Jaguars, I have them taking Michael Mayer in this first round of the mock draft, trying to figure out where some of these other guys fit in. But the more I thought about it, Kincaid as that tweener prospect for a team in the Giants that doesn't have a wide receiver core, right? I mean, they've got nobody. They traded away Kadarius Toney. Kenny Galladay is not it. Sterling Shepard's always hurt. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense because there's position flex, right? He can move all over the formation. 
I think especially, especially Trey, as you just signed Daniel Jones to a four-year massive contract, um, <laughs> you're going to need weapons to make that, that deal. Yeah, he does. It. Yes. And I think Kincaid's a good fit. Yeah, I the, the tight ends are going to be fascinating. This is a really, really good tight end draft, like you said. I think as as a Dallas fan, Zay Flowers to Philadelphia at 30 just makes me cry a little bit, just thinking yeah. about how how teams would have to defend um, a, a wide receiver core that included Zay Flowers and A.J. Brown. That would be um, downright scary. Um, and just a lot of really interesting picks up and down your draft. And obviously so much can change between now and uh, now in April, late April, and we're actually seeing who makes this uh, makes these picks. But when you think about a player that, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe the J.J. Watt pick of the Texans in the 2012 or 2011 draft, whenever that was. It was kind of a sneaky pick, right? I remember the um, social media rants after that pick were just viral, right? They, they were just so um, – Texans fans were very, very upset that their front office made that pick. Is there anyone in this draft, this mock draft specifically, that you slotted in and you think, you know, this could be a pick that fans are really upset about if that's the card that's turned in, but in actuality it could be a franchise-changing pick? Yeah, that's a good question. I think – I think I could go a couple of different directions with that. I think Miles Murphy to the Texans at 12. You talked about the Texans. Miles is a guy that doesn't do any one thing like super well. There's not a trait that you look at and goes, okay, that's going to get him to a Pro Bowl. But his overall body of work, he's a good athlete. He's got a couple of solid pass rush moves. He's going to need to develop those as he goes along. He's just a really good player. And so in mock draft 1.0, I've got him going to the Texans uh, at 12. So they get their franchise quarterback for me and CJ Stroud at two, and then they get a pass rusher, which that team needs everything. So what do you invest in? Well, you invest in two franchise cornerstones at quarterback and, and getting after the quarterback. I think Miles Murphy could be a really pleasant surprise. I don't know that the Steelers would be upset or Steeler fans would be upset with Drew Sanders at 17, a pass rushing linebacker from Arkansas. To me, he he reminds me of the TJ Watt pick of a couple years ago, which if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, this is, opening an, yeah, this, <laughs> this is opening an old wound when, uh, who did we take? We took Taco Charlie. Taco, right? Yeah, that was a yeah, Taco because, draft. Yep. Because uh, TJ wasn't a scheme fit, quote unquote, and however many all pro seasons later, um, I think we're all going, yeah, that was stupid. Uh, similarly, I think Drew Sanders, he's a, a three down linebacker to me, he can help in the run on first and second down, but then after the third uh, or on third down, I should say nickel nickel sets, not in dime sets, but if you stay in nickel, which is the predominant formation, he can get after the quarterback and he can come off that edge. So, you know, for me, TJ Watts, not getting any younger. Um, the Steelers were bad this last season and, and pass rush is always something that helps that defense that alleviates pressure on the offense it might not be the sexiest pick, and especially in a class where I don't think anybody knows where the linebackers are going to go. I mean, you've got uh, Drew Sanders and then Trenton Simpson, the linebacker out of Clemson. A lot of people have them kind of flip-flopping. You've got Jack Campbell, who was an award winner at Iowa this year, the captain middle linebacker. He's he's more of a day-two guy to me, but you know, a, again, a very solid, some solid players. It's just where's that ceiling? Like, 
who's going to be that team that takes that first linebacker off the board. So to me, in this mock draft, the Steelers got cleaned out. They they would rather have a corner or a tackle. Those are their for sure top two needs. Here they get cleaned out of of corners and tackles. Devin Witherspoon goes to the Patriots at 14, so he does not fall to Pittsburgh. They could trade back, or to me, they could address, you know, their third or fourth need, which is linebacker. I, I don't I wouldn't hate the pick if I was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Just turn on his tape in the SEC and that dude was creating havoc almost each and every week against the best of the best in college football. So yeah, I mean, he could definitely develop into a guy that is a problem for NFL offenses as well. I want to shift the focus to what a lot of people are talking about. And this is, you know, I'm I'm going to confess that I follow the NFL from, you know, more of a fantasy football perspective. I definitely am a fantasy focused person. And if you're a fantasy football player, you're going to love this draft because the running backs are a plenty. We've got a really good one, of course, in Bijan Robinson, who everybody sees as RB1, rightfully so. You have him going at number 26 to the Dallas Cowboys. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen some news come out about the Cowboys running back room uh, over the course of this week. They're franchise tagging Tony Pollard. It looks like they want to keep Zeke. Maybe it seems like okay. a will they, won't they every single week. Um, but Zeke's definitely going to take a pay cut if he's back in Dallas this yep. year. Bijan at 26, I think, is fascinating for multiple reasons. Number one, you have maybe the most vocal and polarizing fan base in both college football and the NFL um, connected to this pick in Texas and the Dallas Cowboys. And also, I think it's fascinating to see just where Bijan is going in all of these mock drafts because mm-hmm. I've seen – you know, some mock drafts or teams are trading up into the top 10 or yep. borderline top 10 picks to take uh, Bijan Robinson. I think, you know, can't remember whose it was, Philadelphia trading up to 11 yep. to take Bijan Robinson and maybe in a situation where uh, Miles Sanders is no longer with the team. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the, pre- the prevailing thought, at least in the past few years, is you don't take a running back that high. If Philadelphia took him at 11 or anyone took him at 11, off the top of my head, that would be the f- highest draft pick running back since Saquon went number two or number three overall. So yep. why is Bijan breaking that mold in some of these mock drafts? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And the most polarizing pick that I wrote about in this draft, I've received a ton of praise on it. I've received a lot of backlash on it. So the running back situation in the NFL is interesting because over the last couple of years, teams that have not invested in the running back position and have put that money elsewhere are winning, right? You yeah. think about the Chiefs who just won. Yeah, they they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire at the end of the first round a couple of seasons ago, but that didn't work out. He's not He, he didn't even play in that game, right? Instead, it was Isaac or Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Seventh that, rounder. Yeah, it was a seventh rounder out of Rutgers, right? And and so I think that perfectly encapsulates running back is maybe the least, and this is going to sound weird, but the least skilled out of all the skill positions. And, and what I mean by that is it's a plug and play position. We're seeing a lot of teams be able to draft guys third, fourth, fifth round and on and then put put them and plug them into an offense that is a passing league anyway. As long as they can pass block just a little bit, they can run routes just a little bit, because of the way the NFL is spreading out defenses, it's not taking a first-round investment 
in a player to get that offense to a point where it's productive in scoring points, right? I mean, you, you just continue to see smaller backs that are taken later in the draft really be able to handle a normal workload like an Adrian Peterson type did years ago. Now, where I think Bijan is potentially different is he's the most complete running back prospect I've ever seen. I haven't been covering the draft for for all that long, you know, four or five years. Um, but you look at you and you listen to guys that have done this for decades and they'll say the same thing. At least they'll say the most complete running back since Adrian Peterson, right? Even Saquon Barkley had questions and had flaws coming out of school. He was an athletic freak. I don't yeah. think anybody, you know, looked at him as the, the next coming of Barry Sanders. And, you know, the health has has certainly hurt that, hasn't allowed him to answer that question consistently throughout his career. So Bijan is a guy that can run between the tackles. He can run outside. He's got plenty of speed. He ran a four or five at the combine, which is not blazing, but he plays so much faster than that. When you turn on his film at Texas, all three years that he was there, he could consistently make guys miss. He could run you over in the hole. So a linebacker or a safety stepping up to plug that a gap, Bijan's going through you. Um, and he can also run a complete route tree. I mean, Texas used Bijan out of the backfield to catch passes. And I think that may be what's most intriguing to NFL teams is you can spread the defense out and then put Bijan on a linebacker or a strong safety. Bijan's going to win that seven, eight times out of 10, whether he makes you miss or he just stiff arms you. He's the most complete running back prospect that I've ever seen. And I think a lot of people have seen as well. And so for that, because you feel like you have a unicorn, there are going to be teams that are willing to either draft him in the first round or like you mentioned, one, he trade uh, the Eagles trade up to 11. The great Dane Brugler in his most recent mock draft has the Eagles trading up to 13 to get him. If you're a, a team in the NFC and you see the Eagles who have capital to play with, right? They yeah. do not have just a ton of needs. If they're able to trade up to go get Bijan, oh my goodness, you are, I mean, shaking in your boots. That is the worst case scenario for the NFC. The, the way they've turned around that franchise amazing in such a short amount of time but like they were down bad just a couple years ago and yeah. obviously lost the Super Bowl this year but they have staying power they've had a young quarterback and yeah if they were able to add a guy like Bijan Robinson or like you mocked them Zay Flowers like I mentioned earlier yeah it's scary man it's just absolutely scary in the NFC I wonder I want to get your thoughts on this because I wonder if the depth of the running back position this year is going to kind of hurt Bijan Robinson. If it's going to be a situation where teams are kind of looking around and saying, okay, yes, we could go for the glory of drafting Bijan, especially a team like the Cowboys at 26. If they're sitting there at 26 and Bijan's on the board, do they go for the glory of Bijan or do they wait for the second round and get a Jameer Gibbs who ran a sub 4-4 at the combine right. or a Devon A-Chain who also ran, I think like a, what, 4-2-5 at the combine. And you know, I can name off a whole bunch of other just star running backs in college. Mo Ibrahim, um, you know, the uh, Sean Tucker, uh, the Zach Evans of the world. It's just such a deep running back class. Do you mm -hmm. think that could possibly hurt Bijan's draft stock? I mean, yes and no. I think hypothetically it could. I think because, and you asked this in our group text, uh, I can't remember if it was today or yesterday, but you basically asked the same question. Like, is Bijan not just 
you know, breaking records at the combine, is that going to hurt him given the depth? And to me, the answer is no. One, because for a guy like Bijan, the combine isn't a proving ground. It's a checklist, right? Teams show up already knowing what Bijan can do because they've watched him in prime time 10 out of 12 games for the last three years. It's very, very public what Bijan can do and you know the things that he can't, quote-unquote, are, are minimal, right? I mean, they're not going to be concerns. He's a great interview. He's a leader in the locker room. He was beloved by his teammates in the community down in Austin. I mean, Bijan's a winner. And he's going to be that at the NFL level. The depth in this case, I don't think hurts him because we know how elite he is as a playmaker on the field. Now, that being said, if you do, if you are the Dallas Cowboys and maybe you're cleaned out of your offensive line prospects. So for me, Skaronsky and Osiris Torrance from Florida are the only two first round guards that I have. Both of them are off the board. So if you're looking for a guard, if you're looking for a cornerback, if you're looking for a specific cornerback and he's not there, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, you know, I, I don't think the Cowboys will trade out at 26 because they have some some big needs. And I think there's going to be somebody that they go, yeah, we can work with them there. That makes our team better. That being said, though, if you do want to trade back as and running backs your top need, that's what you want to address. You can get a Jameer Gibbs early in the second round. I think you're going to be able to get a Zach Charbonnet, a a Devin A-Chain, beginning of the third round. So you don't have to go running back and feel like, all right, we're not getting a winner. It just, you might be losing out on a guy who could define success in your franchise Mm. for the next five years. And, And for me, I don't think that any team is necessarily going to trade up for him. Now, Dane Brugler is obviously more plugged in than I am. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, no, I, I don't understand what he's doing. Dane only makes picks and projections based off of what he hears in the league. So if he's projecting the Eagles and saying, yeah, they're interested in trading up to go get Bijan at 13, hold on to your butts. Everybody you in the that. NFC, yes. right? I mean, that is, <laughs> that is terrifying. Um For me, I I do agree. If you're a team at the back half of the draft that just says, okay, we'd like a running back, you can get someone in the second or third round. Makes sense. Yeah. And and don't hear, if you're a Longhorn fan listening to this, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not slandering Bijan in any way. I think he is a generational talent. I think whatever NFL team he lands on, he's going to be a superstar. Talking about fantasy drafts, he's going to be the best rookie running back um, from a fantasy perspective from day one, from the day that he is drafted. So, I'm excited to see where he lands and uh, just what what offenses can do and what defenses have to do to stop him at this next level. Mitch, before we get out of here, one more question for you. Looking at maybe your next tier prospects, guys that are kind of on the fringe, maybe in the second or third round, day two picks, who's a guy that you could see rocketing up your personal draft board and entering this next uh, edition of your mock draft from the second or third round? Yeah, I think from the second round, you know, looking at at my mock draft 2.0, some new names, um, Deontay Banks, I mentioned the cornerback out of Maryland. He crushed the combine. He also plays with a really nasty streak, but he also ran a 4.35. So the guy's got great speed. Um, he's kind of a do-it-all cornerback out of Maryland. I don't feel like a ton of people know that name um, just because he played for the Terps, who are not known for having a no-fly zone, but uh, Banks is a very, very solid prospect. Could easily see him going at the end of day one, very beginning of day two. 
Darnell Washington, as I mentioned, the tight end out of Georgia. A lot of people have him going in the first round. I did not in this first mock. I think he's probably going to find a home in the first round in my second mock draft. But, you know, again, that's that changes daily, right? I mean, that really is informed by what teams are telling us. He had a great combine. He looks like a monster. I said off the top, like, he's a tackle that runs routes and catches the ball really well. He is freak. Absolute he's freak. He's going to be miserable for safeties and linebackers to try to bring down one on one. I think BJ Ojolari, edge rusher at LSU, you know, there's some mixed reviews on his production throughout his career at LSU. He never had just one dominating season that kind of backed up his five star rating coming out of high school. But at the same time, I think he's toolsy, he has, has a lot of a lot of qualities and characteristics that I think teams are going to be looking for. So I think Ojolari could easily sneak in uh, at the end of that first round. Mitch, it's fantastic talking the draft with you as always. Um, you know your stuff, you research it. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I have no problem calling you our draft czar because you live up <laughs> to that, live up to that name each and every single day. So guys be on the lookout for more draft content on our YouTube, social media, and on the Transfer Portal College Football website as our new partnership continues to take flight. Um, for Mitch Mason, I'm Trey Reeves. We'll see you guys next time.